And, and, and we're live again, guys. Okay? Not just one live stream today. Two live streams. The first one, you got the SOS team, Brad, Dr. Fox. Hope you guys enjoyed that one. This one, this one is near and dear to my heart because I remember Raymond when you were first starting Korea. And we had those talks and I was a skeptic, man. I was like, this was like 2015. Might have even been 2014. And I was saying, nah, Ray, sites don't want this. It's never going to work. And now I'm using it. And I can't imagine life without it, honestly. And now I'm converting all those same skeptics into believers. I tell them I used to be like, you. Yeah, I used to actually be worse than you. But here's how we use it. And, you know, my staff, Ray, will eventually have the three coordinators on. They don't know life without Creo. Like, they never done paper source. They don't even know. I had to explain to them, like, before this, you know, we had, like, binders for every patient. And they were like, whoa. <laughs> That's like uh, teaching your kids something about, like, walking in the snow for 10 miles. Um, congrats on the growth, man, and on the traction you've, you've garnered and for sticking through with something you believed in. Thank you. Yeah, it would have been around, I think, maybe closer to 17, because October 2016 is when we formally launched. Um, but like you said, I mean, I hear that all the time. People say, I can't imagine going back to paper source. Um, and nowadays, <laughs> yeah, with a lot of the physicians now that are new to research, you, you give them Creo and they're not going to bat an eye. I mean, they're going to think, of course, you're going to do electronic. How else would you do it? <laughs> it's like... Um, Kind the like, thing I liked about it, though, is you're not, I mean, yes, you're committing to it, but you don't have to, like, fully commit. So we're, we haven't, we've been using Creo for two years at my site, Yuma Clango Trials. We still haven't done the delegation log the way Creo wants it to be done, you know, with the e-delegation. Mainly because, I don't know, we just started every study, like, with the paper log and then just uploading them. But I think we've been talking internally about these new few studies we have coming up that we're going to actually do the EDOA log. Yeah, great. Like our system is big, um, sprawling, and it has been one of the challenges is our own user base, you know, keeping up with the enhancements and making use of everything. So um, I personally am a big fan of yoga. And so like with yoga, you can always take it to the next level. <laughs> and then just when you thought you mastered one pose, there's always a deeper pose. So Think of Creo like that too. It's a journey. And like you said, you don't have to be all or nothing um, as long as you're using the core functionalities the right way or the way it's intended. It's, it's really going to work in your favor. And then you can kind of expand from there. Yeah, we'll get uh, under the hood and in the weeds a little bit. But why don't you tell the people, because our last interview was so long ago. I mean, we have yeah. Guru Nation now, like why you started this and what your background was. Yeah, so I, I used to be a research site director. I mean, I ran a site at the time uh it, it's a lot it's a lot smaller now i'm not in the actual site business anymore but at the time uh as peak had about maybe 10 people three different investigators 20 30 studies going on freestanding research site um and we were doing everything on paper um and i i saw up front uh how inefficient it was and i said i, I can't i can't run a site everything's on paper i mean i, I remember being <laughs> that 10 o'clock at night in the office answering queries, looking at paper charts. I'm like, a lot of these queries are just silly. They can go away. And why am I in the office in the first place? <laughs> this ungodly hour, you know, cleaning up this mess. Um, and so I had this idea that, you know, just like in the healthcare world, everything's called electronic and we should go electronic too. So I approached my then partner um, who was, you know, uh, more of a programmer, software guy. And with this idea of launching e-source. And so we launched it in 2016. Um, and then from there, we built out the whole stack. Um, so it's now got recruitment, got finance, got e-regulatory, the delegation model, like you mentioned, we have e-consent now. We're going to be releasing soon the ability to pull in medical records remotely. So it's a full solution for research sites. Um, and it, everything's integrated together. So the, for instance, if you use our e-source template and you pre-program the budgets, when you're done with a visit, you know exactly what you're owed, right? You know what you're owed for the visit you know what you're owed for the procedure. You can actually go in and embed receivables um, and time to answer to questions. So you know how like you have a budget where you, you get you get to invoice for a repeat test, right? I mean, that's a real, like, I, I don't know, how did you 
how did you used to keep track of that before you use Creolic? Uh, it's it's yeah, spreadsheet. I mean, God bless Chris, who's my business partner. He's he's Mr. Excel and he's one of the guys that doesn't want to convert. Um mainly because he's so comfortable with Excel and his CRC is very comfortable with paper. Like they're they're now the old school, right? And I'm I am trying to get them to convert, sure. but I mean it's working for them. They're small enough to where it's like not a huge deal, sure. I think. But you're right. Like even the invoicing the thing I like about Creo, well, I guess there's still more to your story. I mean, I don't want to get oh, sidetracked. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I got the, <laughs> the, the thing I liked about Creo, by the way, like, you know, for any entrepreneurs that are looking in this space to innovate and in research or disrupt, like, just look at other industries. The, the, the disruption's already there. Like, like you said, e-health, you know, records. Um, I mean, that's really like an ancillary industry, but like it was already there. So the natural thing is, well, why isn't it done here? And I guess the hardest part really is the site adoption and, right. you know, shattering all those sacred cows that people hold on to, still holding on to. Oh, that absolutely was a real challenge. So the first few years were a slog just to be like completely transparent, as you said. I mean, I personally was making, I was on the phone. I was personally making hundreds of phone calls to research sites and I think having been a site director myself and being, I remember <laughs> we were site, one yeah. of them. <laughs> I did it on my site. We rolled it out. You know, we didn't get in trouble. We, you know, nobody, you know, audited us, flagged us. To the contrary, our actual CRAs really liked it. Um, and it's totally regulatorily permissible. And by the way, I understand exactly what you're saying. I understand exactly what your pain points are. Um, yes, there's an audit trail. I know where you're going. I understand. I get it. I get the whole story. Um, and this was built for, you know, for a site from a site's perspective. And that's, I think, what differentiated us is we truly took a site-centric uh, view of it. This isn't a technology designed for sponsors based on some hypothetical workflow for a site, then handed down to the site and for the duration of the study. This is really empowering for the site. Um, and the site industry has completely changed. I mean, since 2016, we launched, there's a lot of site networks out there. There's a lot of... Um, site operators also partnering with new physicians. There's a lot of appetite from pharma for new doctors, diverse populations, harder to reach patient populations, people with access to EMR, which is all digital data. Um, and so with more sophistication in the industry, more, uh, I'd say multi-site operators now becoming almost the norm. Um, I don't know how you would operate without a system like ours, honestly. How could you operate five different locations if each one had paper charts <laughs> and you know what was going on at the site until you showed up in person right yeah i mean there's the whole there's the whole quality assurance quality control however sites call it we call it qa at our site and yeah. you know it's so easy to do because you can do it remotely like and that's one of the things like as a qi as a qa person when i've served that role i don't like that role but i serve it while i'm training someone to do it like if I don't understand, I'm almost the perfect test case for this because if I don't understand what's going on in the notes, you know, remotely, um, you need to revise the notes. Like, right. how is the CRA going to understand? And so, like, I even think things that you guys rarely discuss, like aspects of research, I mean, it doesn't just make it more efficient. It makes certain aspects more clear on, on how to handle them like qa is a, a perfect example it, it really should make it a lot easier for a relatively research naive physician or coordinator to get up and running and have quality that's consistent with someone who's been doing it for a long time right it's really hard to recruit coordinators i mean i care all the time and when you have a coordinator you're fully trained up there's a good chance they'll leave for something else yeah. right CRO will come, you know, some some opportunities will come. So there's no shortage of opportunities for people who know research really well. Um, and if we're going to try to, as an industry, reach more patient populations, activate more research physicians, we have to have a technology that makes uh, it more accessible to run and operate a clinical research site. Um, and that's really where the power of the technology is, right? You can design an e-source template from remote. You can send it over to a site. So it's going to collect data and the data is going to be clean. It's going to be in the way you intended. And you can log in immediately. You can see what's going on. You can comment, right? So you can send a, a comment. And that's one of the features that we build is 
one member of the site can comment on the source to another member, and that is not visible to the CRA. When you print out the source, it's not even part of it. So our point of view is that's not source. That's a private workflow between the site. That's like if you had a conversation, right? But now you can do it, you know, through essentially a chat function that resides on the source. Um, and this is, you know, this isn't rocket science. Like you made a comment, <laughs> this is already in the healthcare world. A lot of what we're doing is just taking the innovation that's already out there in the rest of the world, right? And bringing it into the industry. And we're taking a much more modern approach. So our resource does not look like a piece of paper, right? It doesn't look exactly like, the, I mean, it kind of resembles it, but it's not exactly like a paper chart, right? And that's because we want to make it digital. Um, like our EDOA log, our EDOA log does not actually look like the piece of paper with landscape where everything is down there because it's too messy. Instead, each duty is its own thing and you, you know, you assign duties to people. And what's cool about a digital approach is now you can actually create workflows that you wouldn't be able to think of otherwise. So for instance, with our de delegation log, you can look at a person, you can see what duties they have, but take the flip side. How would you be able to envision all the duties to make sure that each one is accounted for, right? So we have a flip, like an inverse view where I can see duties A through Z and I can see who I've delegated to it. So I can take one look and say, oh, I mm -hmm. forgot to delegate duty J or I only have one person on duty F and I want a redundancy there. So let me go and activate another person for it. Mm -hmm. That's built into our EDOA log. And if we had thought of the delegation log as just like a piece of paper, right? With fixed real estate that kind of looks like a paper log, you wouldn't have imagined, right? Hey, there's a better way of presenting the, the delegation log uh, and providing a view for the site so that they can exercise quality control and make sure that all the duties are accounted for. Yeah, I mean, there. yeah, that's, you know, you mentioned I like the yoga analogy of the deeper levels. We're getting into that soon. Uh, we finally did our first 1572 e-signed. Oh, nice. And I was, I was scared. Right? I was like, ah, the series is going to hate this. But I told Katie, just do it, you know, and we did it. They accepted it. You know, no questions asked. I mean, it actually felt like a huge moment for us. And it was like, you know, such like an anticlimactic uh, response, uh, like as if we would have signed it on paper. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. When I first rolled out Korea on my side, I was bracing for resistance. And I had <laughs> all this, the, the arguments ready to go. We had a regulatory opinion. We had everything ready to go. And there was no resistance. And I think at the time, the CRAs were just puzzled. They hadn't seen anything like it before. <laughs> um, but then as we started rolling out with clients, we said, there actually isn't that much resistance coming um, from the sponsor side. And, and now I'm pretty sure most CRAs, if you pick a random sampling series, I think most of them have actually worked in Creole now at this point. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of um, we have a good amount of studies, like seven or eight right now, maybe closer to 10. And uh, most of them have used Creo before. A few haven't. Um, the one thing is that that makes it a little more difficult than paper source, but it's a fixable issue is the CRAs saying that something's not there when it is. They just don't know how to look through it. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, with time, um, you know, our coordinators have trained the CRAs basically where to look. Like, no, it actually is there. Um, so it's a little bit of a learning curve for the CRAs and CRAs yeah. have a tough job. I mean, imagine going to one site where they're using Creo, another site, they're using RedCap, another one, they're using something right. else and another site using paper. They have to like kind of navigate all these different tools. So you can't blame them. And that gets to the new model that we're introducing now. So we're taking this innovation and we're delivering it to sponsors. So we have there are enough sites using Creo organically that you pick a phase two trial, doesn't matter what the indication is. There are enough sites, native Creo client users that are using it that could power that whole trial. I mean, we have you know 2000 sites, 18 different countries, probably adding about three or four more in the next month or two. Um, and these sites are high enrolling, they're high quality, you know, obviously by definition embracing technology. So our, breath is such that we can go to say a biotech company with a phase two trial and say look we can make the entire thing run on creo eSource. you don't need a secondary edc entry system you don't need the sites to go re-enter the data you don't need on-site monitoring you you can monitor centrally and you don't All need right. source application we actually have another application that we launched last year um it's called reviewer and it's 
it's basically an EDC. I hesitate with EDC because I think people get so locked into, I must have an EDC. But what reviewer is, is when the site saves the source data, the CRA or the ClinOps or the sponsor, whoever's looking at the data can look at the data, query the data, close the queries, lock the data, medical code, um, and extract it. And also look at the um, uploaded PDFs as well. So what I've just described essentially replaces the EDC. It's and database. It's the database. Yeah, it moves right to a direct data capture model, which is you know, huge, huge in terms of efficiencies um, and quality. And so we've been rolling that out and have gotten very, very good receptivity, particularly from smaller. Wow. So you're saying, and I mean, I want to get to that sacred cow next, uh, um, but I do have some more comments about Korea. And by the way, guys, put your comments down, you know, in the chat. Katie, who's my CRC that I told you about, she would have joined us, but she's with a patient. Um, she uses Creo more than me. I, I use it daily basis, but she uses it on an hourly basis. And so she's one of the first things she asked me during like her third month of working with me is, why do we enter data in EDC? Like we already have it in Creo. Why do we enter an EDC? And I didn't. I told her, hey, honestly, I don't have a good answer. It's just how yeah. it's done. It, so it's like it takes outsiders yes. to see this stuff. Yes, I know. So uh, you have to go back to history. EDC evolved in the 1990s, I'd say, is when it took off um, with web, right? So it was basically a web-based SaaS program and software delivered over the web. So I think it was the late 90s, early 2000s. Um, and it was, I don't know what it replaced. It replaced some legacy system. But sponsors always had a digital archive of the data, right? So way back in the day, the idea of sites capturing data electronically was like, that was absurd. Sites didn't have laptops. Laptops were clunky and expensive back then. So sites used um, paper uh, to collect data, then transcribe it on the triplicate papers that the sponsors would mail the sites. And then a monitor would come, make sure that the triplicate was accurate. And then one, one went to the site and then two went to the sponsor, which was double entered to make sure it was accurate, right? So the EC came along and said, okay, the part where um, the data entry people enter it, that's the part that we're gonna make electronic by giving the sites you know, direct access and having the sites do the direct entry, okay? Um, but we kind of forgot about the source and the source data verification part. So it made it easier for the sponsors in that they no longer had to deal with pieces of paper and two people entering it and making sure it matches and now put the onus on the site. Theoretically, the sites get paid, theoretically, for the burden of entering EDC. So in theory, there's a line item called EDC entry, doubt it's enough whether it compensates the site for the time to enter the EDC. I don't think they factored in time to answer all the queries. I don't think they factored in the time to, take, to answer redundant queries, bad queries, nonsensical queries, queries that were just literally repeated with the monitor. So now you have this structure that's been in place. Um, and in fairness to the sponsors, you do need a standardized data collection model, right? You can't have data in different systems or in pieces of paper you can't act on it you do need it digitally you do need it standardized so that you can extract it and do your statistical analysis right so that is now the edc system um and now we have a whole the whole industry has been built around that so what i'm describing what you're describing about direct data capture is 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 disruptive it truly is disruptive it means that the monitors you know when they travel and when they when they do monitoring, they don't have the STD part of their job anymore. They have SDR. Right. Well, that brings us to. Now I'm gonna get into some of the other things I like about Creo that I think sites that are on the fence haven't considered. So, but what you just said brings up Christine Sears's question. You know, can you please calm down <laughs> all the CRAs who think that electronic data monitoring will replace them? My last two contracts involve many areas of paper to electronic and it's efficient and saves money. Well, what about when there is no EDC, like, like Ray is saying, they're going to have to calm down even more. So I think the way we think about our model, if sponsors adopted our model, the way it would work is that there would not be as much on-site monitoring. The monitoring would be remote. The monitoring would also be what I call continuous, so that if there are 10 sites on the trial and they're all saving data at the same, you know, roughly the same time, different business going on, the data will come into reviewer and that monitor can review the data as it comes in. 
maybe wait a few days, whatever, maybe wait until the site's complete and all that stuff, but, you know, wait. But that doesn't mean that what that means is the monitor doesn't say, hey, site X, I'm going to schedule a date on April 15th, you know, six weeks from now, and I'm going to show up on site and to have all your binders ready. If that goes away, in today's remote monitoring model, what also mm -hmm. goes away is I'm going to remote monitor you on April 15th. So have all the things scanned and upload to this portal by April 15th, and I'm going to block my time. That both are silly. Why, why would you wait five weeks to look at data when you could look at it immediately? Because if you wait five weeks, what, what could Thank happen? You. Thank the site you. made a deviation. The site repeated the deviation <laughs> four times. You sh the monitor shows up. Now there's five deviations to clean up. Every one of those involves cleanup, right? Now I'm a sponsor, and you're telling me now six weeks has passed. There are now five deviations, four of which could have been prevented if you monitored yeah. closer to real time. And now there's all this downstream work. And guess what? The site gets busy, and then they get busy doing the cleanup. And when they get busy doing the cleanup, what happens? What suffers? Recruitment? Everything. <laughs> Everything suffers, right? So You know what, Ray? We we already do this at our site. We So every study we use Creo, we give the monitor at SIV yes. access. Yep. And we don't take it away unless they abuse it. And by right. abusing means bugging right. us every hour about something. So in theory, Christine, you can tell your colleagues, their job actually got harder. Like you <laughs> now can monitor. There's no excuse. You well, can they, monitor all the time. But are they want. doing the continuous monitoring or, or are they doing the periodic like... They're still doing it periodic, and they're also even coming in sometimes. Yes. Oh, they'll fly in site. So monitors will come yeah. on site. You, they already have the laptop. They have laptop. They'll sit down at your site for eight hours looking at Creo, looking at EDC, doing their stuff, and then getting on the plane. And they didn't have to make the trip at all. And they get guess what they get to invoice the sponsor for? The time sitting on the travel, which I believe is four hours at half pay, but still something. Four hours to go back. Eight hours to sit on site. Whether it took them eight hours or not, who knows? Mm -hmm. Um. And they're doing that. And they're doing yeah. that because that's what the monitoring plan said, because everyone's locked into a certain way of doing things. And a lot of a lot of CROs, a lot of sponsors haven't caught on to say, hey, you know what, maybe we can flex the monitoring model to accommodate the fact that a lot of sites do have electronic source and electronic reg binders and they don't need on-site monitoring. So maybe we could have a model where it's on-site monitoring and this kind of monitoring exists for the paper sites. And then we'll have a different kind of monitoring for the electronic sites and we'll do a mixed model now, I don't know which sites, what the mix is going to be, because I don't know ahead of time necessarily. So there's a little bit of planning ambiguity. But instead, the current model is, in my RFP to you, sponsor, I'm going to give you a monitoring plan. And it's going to be a one-size-fits-all plan, because it's a lot easier for people in my spreadsheets to do all the planning calculations and everything. And therefore, I committed to doing on-site monitoring. And therefore, I'm going to get on the plane regardless. And I'll get on the plane and burn up your money to sit there doing stuff on my laptop that I could have done at home. Yeah. So at Creo, look, we're as frustrated as, as you are, as sites are. Um, and we want things done the rational way. So we've decided that we're going to be um, launching our product for a reviewer, offering it to sponsors and saying to sponsors, look, from day one, all the sites on the trial are going to use Creo. If you select a site, put in the contract, you use Creo as an e-source. Ma vast majority of sites will accept the study on those terms. We have thousands of sites to choose from who will absolutely promote the idea and you should embrace the idea that you should preferentially select these sites because they're familiar with this. Yes, technology. give me more studies, Ray. But also, <laughs> yes, but also they're quality sites. They invested in technology. That should tell you a lot. And they enroll on average more. And we have data to prove that. We have data that proves that Creo sites on average will out enroll. Um, sites that don't use Creo. That is just like we have data. You do. Why do you think that is? I think the sites, I think it's correlation. I think the sites that choose to pay money for a technology to be more efficient in building quality are just more growth mind set oriented, right? Yeah. Um, they're hungrier. They want to grow. They want to do well. Um, and I think also, why would you invest in technology and spend money? It's only because you perceive it as an ROI because you value the time that's freed up. Well, why do you want to free up your time? Because you'd rather recruit more, right? Because that's that's a revenue engine. So at the end of the day, the site director that goes to the calculation, hey, I can save 20% of time, right, from my staff. And now I can take on more studies or do more or put more patients in, right? And I'll end up getting my real ROI, right? 
because not many people are implementing Creo and saying, I had, you know, six, six people and I'm going to lose one. No, like that doesn't make any sense. It's so hard to find people. Most people are putting it in because right. they have a mindset, right? Yep. Um, and so I think there's a lot of correlation. I think the fact that a site licensing licenses Creo directly already says a lot about that mindset. I think this, so this, um, I agree. Christine says in-house monitor. So this exact thing happened to me. We have a study with a real monitor that actually is supposed to come in every eight weeks and then an in-house monitor that's supposed to help the, the real monitors coordinate. So this in-house CRA, she's really good. And she said, hey, you know what? She keeps asking Katie. Katie keeps coming up. Katie, email me this, email me this, email me this. I got on one of these calls and Katie's just doing as she's told. I got on one of these calls. I'm like, hey, why are we emailing? Why don't I just give you access to Creo? And she's like, oh, you can do that? Yeah, that would be great. Boom. Added her to the study. External user. Yep. Does not ask for anything anymore. Right. But here's the crazy thing, Ray, that I think it's going to be you know, serendipitous for the in-house series that do get access to Creo. They want most of them want to be monitors, right? Like real monitors. Mm. She has access to the e-source too, as mm -hmm. an external user. Mm -hmm. So now she's, if she wants, and she started already started asking. I could see the evolution. Hey, why didn't this patient get their blood work done on that right. visit? You know what I told her? Go right. look in Creo, and if the notes are not good, tell me. Right. So now she's, she doesn't even know it. She's monitoring. Like she's, if she wants to put that on her resume, she can. She's really doing it. Yes, and you touch on something else that our model does, which is, I think, a big weakness of the monitoring model. So, tell me from a site your perspective as a site. You work with tons of different monitors. They come on site. What percentage are really good at what they do? They capture. They capture everything. They focus on the important stuff. They know the protocol. They help with the collaborator. What? What percent? Mm, <laughs> like less than half less than half right okay which makes sense just, i just described high performers is there a percent that don't really know the protocol don't really know what they're doing you kind of get the sense that they're not really adding a lot of value yes unfortunately like probably the bottom 25 percent. right so you just described a distribution that i would expect <laughs> now think about the monitoring model that's where they're on site if somebody goes on site and they're at a their site for you know eight hours you know your monitor what do you do when you're done you go into this their their version of ctms said i looked at these visits here's my follow-up letter and here's my trip report now if you're uh, if you're a sponsor you're looking at that it looks like they did work right looks like they did their job right yep. are you yep. as a site going to call up the sponsor i really want to report you know that the cra missed these three things on my source like you're not going to do that right never so where's the accountability where's the transparency into job performance right so you end up with a lot of CRAs. Mm. That's kind Robert of Goldman, are you listening? <laughs> there's a lot of CRAs that aren't necessarily high performing and there's no transparency, no accountability. But as long as they write the trip reports, guess what? They're billable, right? So they add economic right. value to their employers. And that's that's what our system does, is it's all there. It's all transparent. So in our system, the data shows up, a monitor will look at it. Well, now if I'm gonna embrace this model, I want I want the good quality CRAs because I don't need five people cross-custom country. Maybe I need three doing it centrally. So I want to pick three good CRAs who are really collaborative, really strategic, understand their protocol. And I know we're going to do a thorough job with that. And that's all I really need. And now I'm going to deliver more value to the sponsor, right? By having a smaller number of higher skilled CRAs reviewing the data. Um, and supplement them with a bunch of in-house CRAs, which are super talented. Sure. I, um, I don't know the difference, but yes. <laughs> well, because like Creo unlocks the potential. I don't know if CROs want to do this because it's not, maybe it's not billable. That's a whole nother can of worms, but it unlocks the potential to do continuous monitoring. I mean, you yes. can monitor in real time as we enter data in the Creo our monitor could be looking. They yes. don't, but 
but they could. <laughs> they don't, right? And, and to be fair, and this is the other weakness of the model. To be fair, and I'll I'll, I'll defend why they don't do that. It's because they have to go to another site, so they're traveling mm-hmm. four days a week. They have one day a week at home, two all day and stuff. Right? So to be fair, they don't really have time for that. That's why they end up doing periodic. But think about the other model. Your monitor shows up at a site. You don't really know if the data is clean or dirty, right? You don't know what the source templates look like, right? You know roughly how many visits they did because it's in the EDC. Right, it's in the IRT, so you actually know how much visit volume they have. So you can look at it and say, okay, if they've done this many visits and this kind of visit, I'm going to guesstimate it's two days worth of work, right? And I'm going to be there nine to five, so I'll be there sixteen hours. Well, are you? You show up and the source is a complete mess. Are you going to be able to get it done in sixteen hours? Sometimes no. <laughs> CRAs can't do justice to the work in that eight-hour time slot. So what do what do you do with CRA? Like you request another visit um, on site or a co-monitor next time. Okay, so you request another visit. So when is that? Next week? Uh, it could be the next day. I mean, if the site allows it, or sure, could be next week. Could be yeah. Could weeks. be so in eight not... weeks. <laughs> eight <laughs> weeks by bringing two people. That's usually right. like so, what would happen. Okay, site's a mess. I gotta come back. I need some help. Let me mm-hmm. let me find a corner. Let me get like let me just do all this massive, you know, coordination scheduling. Okay, four weeks from now, two two quarters. Well, four weeks have passed. The site's already struggling. Now they got more data to do. Yeah. And now I'm going to look at the data I didn't have time to look at, right? So your options, if you run out of time at the eight-hour mark, is come back and deal with the, you know, and let the backlog grow. Or say you did it and kind of skimp on a little bit, right? So you have to do SDR, which is source data review, SDV, which is source data verification. So let me do the SDV part, and I'll go live on the SDR part, right? So something gives. Conversely, what happens if the site's really clean and my 16 hours, I'm done in 12. They go to so, the beach. Yeah. <laughs> right. But I'm, I don't, so I, I, I'm not going to, I don't know how they build. I don't know how people build, but I'd be really tempted just to build full eight hours. Right. <laughs> or maybe I'll just stay on site and do other work for other sites while I'm there. Right. Like, mm, just that's true. right? So this eight hour billing thing is, is just a disaster for monitors because they can't, planet so again think about what it means to look at the data electronically data comes in and takes me longer time to review that's fine what's the like who's kicking me out of my home office i can spend as much time as needed to do a thorough review of the source data as it comes right. in, and right. i can get ahead of the deviations i can identify the sites first of all the sites struggle a lot less the data is a lot cleaner definitionally right right to the extent i need to re-educate the sites i can get out ahead of that and i can see that um, and I can invest more time differentially. And so now I can spend, you know, a little bit of time on the sites that are clean and more time on the sites that need more work, but it's all fungible, right? Because I'm working from within the confines of my office. I need more help. Well, okay. Someone else from the home office can be thrown in, right? <laughs> to yeah. help out. So the, the fungibility really, um, it, it, you know, increases productivity than like being locked into this, this concept of an eight hour workday on site. It just, that's a huge problem. The, those concepts are being shattered uh, every week, it seems, with some new technology. Christine says that's how CROs make money, adding to the cost of CRA travel. Absolutely. And I think, look, this CRO's got a lot of things they need to figure out. Well, okay, but I'm not done yet. Ah. Not, so. <laughs> All right. So Wait, there's data, more. <laughs> yeah, data management. So as a site, you get queries, right? data management. Right. Now, those queries are not the CRA, right? Do you ever get queries from DM that you don't really, like, why? This doesn't make sense? Or... Yeah, all the time. Okay. All the time. And, or they're, the queries are, like, wrong? Like, you are correct, and they're asking you something that's yes. just wrong? Okay. You have to learn the art of arguing with data management as right. a CRC. And, and do you ever get queries from DM that your CRA, like, do you ever go to the CRA and say, why am I getting these queries? Like, what does the CRA say? CRA says, just reply this way and they'll go away. CRAs never say, oh, wow, that is brilliant inside. Never. Like, how many, how many, <laughs> they happen. usually say, I feel your pain. If exactly. you answer it this way, they'll leave you alone. Right. So you have this highly siloed system where the CRAs are looking at the data. And I would argue the CRAs really know your data, know your site better because they're mm-hmm. on site, they're clinically trained, they know ICHGCP, they know the protocol, right? I mean, they make good money um, and data management overseas, never stepped foot in site before. They're looking at the data stripped and devoid of all context, right? They don't see the progress notes or anything like that. Have you ever seen a query from data management 
that like you literally answered in source or that you had a discussion with the CRC and then yes. data coming behind you and saying, wait, what's going on? They literally ask you the exact same question that's resolved, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So we have this other redundancy, which is called data management. I'm not going to be very popular here, but in our model, if there's one electronic source record and that source record goes right into review, which is EDC, right? Why would you need a clinically trained CRA who's trained on the protocol, trained on how to look at data, trained on how to train sites, all of that, trained clinically, trained on how to interpret progress notes. They can look at the medical records. They understand that the medical records may not match. They understand what a good progress note is. They know PI oversight. They know all that. Why would they look at the data? And then someone else is going to come in and look at the data, right? But that's what's happening right now. The CRA, CRCs live in your source, and they look at your source, right? And they're making sure, is it accurate? Is it consistent? Is it complete? Then data management, with no access to source, right? No idea what's behind the curtain. Suddenly sees in an EDC, and this is their source. Is it accurate? Is it consistent? Is it comprehensive? Right? Like if you have height, weight, BMI, and it's not, it's not exclusionary. Why is the CRC <laughs> looking yeah. at the source of that, and then DMs looking at the exact same data points in an electronic format over here, right? And then the court, the CRA has to make sure that the two are consistent with SDV. So it's like SDR source data review, SDV to make sure it's the same, and then DM looks in it. Right. That's like, it's like imagine. unnecessary redundancy. It's the same thing as ripping triplicate CRF papers. Yeah, I, I'd actually, the analogy I would draw is if you had a company, you had two different spreadsheets and they're made differently, but the same data, right? One department used one spreadsheet, the other used another, same data. But then you had a third department whose job was to make sure the spreadsheets match, just to make sure that like they're consistent. Right. Like, that is right. literally, what I just described is literally that scenario. <laughs> and this is like, uh, one of the big reasons why clinical trials and why our medications cost so much is this Absolutely. exact process. Right. So in our model, wh what is it the DM does? They ask, they, they make sure that the, 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 the data is consistent, right? Mm -hmm. They have a, they have a guide. Okay. They're not like, they're not freewheeling it. They have a guide. They're told this is the guide. Okay. So the guide says like this, you have medication, make sure you can tie it to a medical history adverse event. Right. If somebody says the word race, other, make sure that it truly is other and not another way of describing, you know, uh, black or African-American, right? Like make sure that it's, you know, they, there's a checklist, right? What I just described, could a good, could a well-qualified experienced CRA do exactly what I just described? Yeah, of course. Of course, right? Should they? Right? So is there some magic analytical skill or some kind of magic intelligence that dm has access to that good CRA doesn't no. no it's a yeah. sacred cow right Th there is nothing that dm does that a good well-qualified cra does so, in so our model this is this is like kind of paradigm shifting and my gears are spinning because yes. i have a, a a member of guru nation that that reached out to me he got some investment he's really passionate about rare disease he wants to do a study with 50 patients for rare right. disease, all the CROs price. He's priced out. He contacted me. I said, look, I'm, I didn't even tell you this. Let's let's I did. I said, let's set you up with Creo. Yes. That way we can at least remote monitor. Mm -hmm. But I didn't even know all this data management stuff. Well, you just said, right, right. And so in our model, we have what's called a unitary review queue. We have one review queue. We call it clinical data management. So three workflows go down to one source data review source data verification and dm review now it just becomes one big source data review right it's really just source data review um with take the data guidelines for dm and just fold it in and give it to the cra and they're going to look at it and do all the other things that cra's do so that's our model it should save a lot of time but like and you said not only time it's going to save money ray it's going to save lives Literally yes. in, uh, maybe I should have you on this call. In 45 minutes from now, that's the call I'm getting on. And we're going to be the CRO. Sure. And we're going to use our CRA Academy interns to monitor. Supervised by me, Chris, and Casey, oh, a few others. Let's do that. <laughs> let's do it. We're going to do it. I wish we could do it live, too. But uh, that's private. <laughs> no, but I'll, I'll have you on. I'll have you on. Yeah, let's do that. I mean, this it's it's stunningly obvious, right? Mm -hmm. Very, very obvious. And I 
I've tested this model. Everything I've described, I've tested to people who are in the industry. Okay, people wow. are saying, okay, what am I missing here? And I, I don't have a really logical counter argument. I mean, the, the, the most cogent argument is in the comments, which is, okay, it works if the sites use Korea, right? But and it's answers, crazy that you, I didn't even know about this data management hack, but I was going to MacGyver it in that direction anyways. You, you don't, right. And that's the thing, because if you go, so, so the industry is so siloed. If you go to a CRA and say, what does data management do? So I, I don't know. So it's kind of what you described. I don't know. They just ask random queries. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. right? And then if you go ask a DM, what does CRA do? They'll say, oh, they do SDV. I'm like, their sole job is to make sure the data you're being is accurate. And they say, yes. I'm like, well, you don't think they're looking at the source and doing the same thing you're doing? They wow. don't know. Wow. Do they do source data review? Do, does, do CRAs do SDR? Can your average data manager... Do, are they aware of SDR, right? And if they are aware of SDR, I would argue the burden is on data management to articulate why. Now, what data management will tell you is, look, I've been doing this for 20 years. I've seen disasters from the CRAs. They mess things up, screw things up. Why do they mess things up, screw things up? Well, is it because of what we said earlier? Because they're traveling on site? Because they're stuck to an eight-hour day? Because they're busy? Because there's turnover? Because halfway through the CRA leaves, another CRA comes in, everything starts over again? Because there's a 25% of the CRAs are not very good at their jobs, but they're skating by? Well, if you have all that quality from the upstream on CRAs, of course, data management is going to come in there and have tons of stories that they're not doing their job. And because they're not doing the job, what am I going to do when I build out the ECRF? I'm going to put in things that I actually don't need. So I'll, I'll give you an example. Why is UPT, most ECRFs have a question, was a urine pregnancy test done, right? UPT form. So I've asked this question before. I was like, why? Why is it in there? It's in the protocol. You're supposed to do a UPT because you don't want pregnant women in the study, right? Hmm. The CRAs are absolutely 100% looking at that. So... Theoretically, the sites are doing it. Theoretically, the CRAs are looking at it. Does your statistician need to know if the UPT was done or not? Is it relevant to the efficacy of the drug? So in other words, you have 10 women in the trial, five are on the placebo, five are on the drug. The purpose of the trial is to determine the efficacy of the drug. Five out of five got the UPT, four out of five didn't. Does that, does that speak to the efficacy of the drug? None. <laughs> it's it the safety. Yeah. Does it speak to the safety of the drug? It speaks to a safety protocol deviation, right? Yeah. yeah. If somebody safety gets pregnant, of the patient. Yeah. Right. If somebody gets pregnant and they needed the UPT, it would at least explain that this wasn't the fault of the drug, right? So, but it's a safety procedure designed to protect the safety of the patient, right? But it is not required for endpoint analysis by the statistician. So if you look really closely at the ECRF, you'll start to see a lot of forms there that don't actually relate to endpoint data. By endpoint mm. data, data that is required to prove efficacy or safety of the drug, right? A statistic is not gonna do that. So I would argue, did the patient sign consent? You don't really need that. Is the UPT done? You don't really need that. So if you actually strip out what's really required for endpoint data, it's about half the ECRF. So then I say, okay, well, why are, they, why, why are these questions even being asked? Maybe it's because some CRA screwed up. <laughs> there wasn't a UPT done and now I'm right. gonna it's kind of the last bastion. It's extra layer of redundancy because yes. I've, I've thought about this before as well. I'm glad you brought it up. So there is some value. I agree with you, by the way. I saw your post on LinkedIn at the yeah. some conference you went to championing why do we need EDC. I agree. And I think if you've ever done CRO work, guys, or like put a bid, I've done a few. The bulk of the money goes into this data management net all this nonsense. So Ray's out there championing, hey, we don't need it. We, we have Creo. You don't need that stuff. But there is a small benefit, and but it shouldn't be the reason for this cost. Like entering the data in the EDC, it kind of serves even at the site level. It serves as like a last check. Like, did you actually do it? Like sometimes you can miss things on Creo if you didn't make the source right. The EDC is going to ask you, like, did you do it? And then you're like, oh, shoot. We never programmed the source to ask for this, so let's see if we did it or not. It's like a last, like redundancy, you know, like a last QA check. And not worth the money, be, though. Not that, worth that the money. Probably the logic for why the ECRF is written the way they are, almost like a checklist of like the absolute essentials, right? Right. But again, I'd argue. So okay, so our system, so our model requires that the source template be designed correctly. 
that's yes. <laughs> designed correctly, then what you're doing is you're codifying the mistake downstream. But it's very easy not to be designed correctly, too. I mean, that's well, design is critical, and that's yeah. where I think to make it successful. So, like on our model, Creo would design the source. So, okay. when a sponsor says to us, "Okay, what do you need to design the source? Design the template." You know what we say? We say we don't need your checklist. We don't need like you don't need to give us a, a spreadsheet with variables. You know what you give us the protocol because we're going to take that protocol and we're going to translate it to the template. And if you wrote the protocol correctly, then you're going to get the endpoint data that you want because everything in your protocol is going to be in the source. So if you look at the I source see. template and you don't see the endpoint data you want, it, it probably wasn't in the protocol. So this would yeah. actually force the ECRF, in our case, eSource, and the protocol to match. Because sometimes you see a situation where the ECRF is dating, and you're like, what? I don't see that in the protocol. So I designed my source against the protocol, and I go into ECRF, I'm like, where, where did that come from? And I actually don't know where that came from, except you have an ECRF design process that's disconnected from the protocol. And because it's disconnected, some nice-to-have data kind of snuck in there, or the protocol wasn't well-designed. So design the, well, <laughs> design the protocol correctly, translate the protocol correctly into an e-source template, get that designed properly, and then everything goes smoothly as intended. Um, and then all the checks are there, like on the front end, at the point of data capture, right? Which is really where Creo, you are. Creo's evolving. I'm sure you're following much closer than I, but it's evolving its own ecosystem of like, hey, I'm a Creo specialist. I make Creo e-source. I've already met a few of these people online. Uh, I'm teaching my staff how to do it, and we have some remote workers, one in Boston, by the way, which is like in your neck of the woods, that was my first employee here, and she she designed the e-source. Her and her husband did, so now they're like Creo specialists in a way. There's like this little ecosystem of, there's another lady out there, forget her name, but she programs the budgets yeah. uh, on Creo. I don't like doing it, but it's, it's a nice feature to have, but like to program the budgets and one-click invoices. I'm still doing, by the way, manual invoicing like through QuickBooks. I haven't gone full into like let's invoice through Creo, mainly because I think I didn't program it right. So I'm like, I don't want to mess up. That's like my main issue right now. It's like those kind of things. But uh, there was another question about can you give us advice for how to ease into it? I think like what advice can you give the sites that have recently transitioned but are struggling? I think take it like one step at a time. Um, like, like the way I'm doing with the budgeting, I'm not, I would love the one click thing. I'm not there yet. So I'm still doing QuickBooks invoice. Um, I'm also not reconciling properly, like to, to track what we've received, what we have. And I'm almost there. There's levels to this, like Ray said with yoga, I'm not as advanced yet, but I'm getting there. Um, so I think, and then on the source side, I have three PIs. Two of them are comfortable using Creo. One is not. So guess what? Okay, no problem. He still writes his progress notes with a pen, and yeah. we upload it. We upload yeah. his note to Creo. Yeah. You can do that. Absolutely. Yeah. So you just described it. That is source. Now you upload it, and now it's an electronic copy of the source. And That's right. That's right. Sign it, and when you sign it, you're testing that it's a true, a true and correct copy. You can actually rip up that note when it's done. Right. And it's kudos to you guys because it's not all or nothing with Creo, like the way you made it. It's it's not binary like one right. or zero. It's I'm probably at a zero point seven eight nine of its capability, but and some people are at one. Um, I'm not, and some people might be at zero point four, and that's okay. When I started, I was probably at zero point two. Yeah. Oh, and there's a question about page seven. So this is actually where Creo shines because I would argue putting a UPT or some safety form in ECRF is the wrong place to put it because you're only getting it retrospectively, right? Our e-source template would have all of that. Actually, it would have more than that. So most ECRF say, was the UPT done? Ours would say, was the UPT done? What was the result? Or let's take an example, contraception. Most ECRF would say, you know, is the patient in contraception? Yes or no. Ours would say, are they taking which form of contraception? And we'll follow the protocol. The protocol will be very specific. I want mm -hmm. contraception. I have a very specific definition of what a woman childbearing potential is, right? It's very, very slightly different definitions. Whatever you define the protocol, we're going to write that exact way. And if they're not a woman of childbearing potential, we will require contraception. So we'll have branching logic. So we're going to take that protocol and we're going to get exact details and we're going to have all the edit checks and branching logic. So it forces the site to be accurate. So all that data goes right into reviewer 
where it's immediately reviewable. So it enhances patient safety greatly. And it's actually way better than the patient safety in ECRF, which is a stripped down kind of was it done kind of question. So our source data is way richer, much more information. Wouldn't you agree, Dan? Like twice as much information is in the source than in the ECRF um, because the way it's written is it goes into details, but that is what is required to adhere to the protocol. So again, start with the protocol, all of its complexity. It's a fairly complicated flow, right? But we're going to simplify with edit checks, make a dummy proof, cyclex data the way it's intended. The endpoint data, the AEs, comments, misses, all that stuff, the stuff that stats need, that's now being done in the context of a, of a workflow and a procedural collection that adheres to protocol. So the important point is your statistician knows that the endpoint data was collected per protocol, right? That the vitals was the vitals that was intended, left arm, right arm, whatever the bulls are, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's high assurance of, of patient safety, confounding factors being removed. It's just, it's cleaner data, right? And that's what this is about is clean data because this is science. <laughs> this is not an art, this is science. You want precision, you want, you don't want very <laughs> It, it would be nice. Um, disruptor CROs with new business models that are not yet beholden to Wall Street and public stock market valuations. Exactly. And that and those are the sacred cows. They've created the sacred cows and they're milking them <laughs> to go full analogy. Right. Um, gosh, they're going to hate me, man. Um, we love CROs. Keep sending studies, please. But Ray... You're going to get on that call in half an hour with me? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so uh, look, we're going to do more with Ray and with Creo, um, just because I think it's like a really cool product, and I've used it now for two years. Actually, even before, I'm at older site. Back then, I was just dabbling. Now, I'm actually using. And uh, I'll end it with this, because there's a lot I didn't cover. There's like hour-long podcasts on all these things, but... The fact that it's all in one place, like a uh, patient database, right? It's th something you don't really think about. Creo is your, your database of patients, too. It's your, you, you can, I found a hack. So, like, I, if you make a playground study, you know, you, you don't get charged for it. And you can use it as your default, like, database for your patients because you can't really put them in a study until you have the study. But you can start collecting a database like people don't think about like the extent of all these things and when i started research you know on my database well, i had to go to staples ray i went to staples in 2005 i bought this cd rom it said my my address book and i installed that thing on my computer and that was my database like we've come so far now you just put it in there you move them to a study I got to jump in. You're on the right track. We have a special study called a pre-screening study where you can link it to downstream studies and then it moves over automatically. You see, I'm only at 0.789 and I'm not at one. I'm not at one. Um, for the financials we discussed, the database, the e-reg. I mean, there's a lot that sites don't realize. CTMS, like that, that planner, that planner, that scheduler. You can do forecasting on there if you want. Mm -hmm. I haven't used it yet. You can do forecasting. There's so much. Ray, we got to talk more, man. It's not enough time for just uh, one hour. Let's do that. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you, Guru Nation. Everyone, contact Ray. Uh, his link is underneath this video and in the show notes. Uh, Raymond Nomizu. Like, subscribe, comment, share. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.